Chris, Doc, Kentucky played yesterday. I would say this is a big story. We're a weekly show. Right. So we're only on once a week. I should also say Louisville lost. Uh, Louisville lost to I don't I don't know if you've seen any coverage for this. You like all the satire I throw into my intros. Uh, Richard Patino actually is the coach who led the team that knocked off Louisville. Have you seen that story? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like it was right. Almost like it was scripted. Uh, no Rick Patino sitting behind the bench like we thought. That's right. Uh, he wasn't even there, was he? No, I I thought he would just be there with a the scarf and and be shouting out orders. Yeah, but I, no, big win for Richard Patino. In all seriousness, I've said it once. I'll say it again. I'm a fan of Rick Patino. I'm a fan of Richard Patino. Big win for him. I'm happy for him. Um, so Louisville's out. Kentucky is still in it. Plenty of interesting matchups and, and game reviews that we can get to uh, from yesterday's action. Previews of today's game. Another little piece would be uh, uh, Central Florida and Duke play today. The most intriguing part of that story, in my opinion, is Taco Fall against Zion Williamson. Taco is seven foot six. Yes. Zion is is it six seven? Six eight. Six eight. Okay, so not as obviously not anywhere near as tall as him. Two eighty five uh, gives up height and weight to Taco Fall, but everybody's wanting to see will Zion be able to dunk on Taco? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him attempt it at least. Um, you got two guys that fall in the. Uh, uh, freak show category. I shouldn't say that. I guess, but is it is that too offensive, <laughs> Doc? You'll be our political correctness uh, uh, police. Was that okay? Was that offensive? What he said? As a freak show myself, no, that was okay. You're a freak right. show. Okay. I, I think Zion's going to dunk on him within the first three minutes. By the way, I want to see him try to dunk on him. Taco. All Taco really needs to do is try to take a charge, right? That, I think that should be their game plan. Yes. Is, I think Zion's going in. That kind of that is the storyline. Zion versus Taco. That's essentially what I think this match will be. And I think that they're going to, knowing that, they're going to exploit that by trying to take charges to fill the lane. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be intriguing to see that. But beyond that, I don't know much about uh, Central Florida. I don't, beyond Taco Fall, I don't I know. I mean, historically, that. I think there's a few. I think one of Michael Jordan's sons played for him a few years back. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, I, I'll bring up what the line is in that game. Yeah, it says uh, uh, Central Florida and Duke. Duke's favored by 13.5 points. That game's at 5.15 on CBS. Yeah, that, uh, <clears throat> that's the biggest line of the day. I mean, it's uh, can Duke continue to move forward with basically five guys? Um, yeah, I mean – it's not a big matchup today. I, I've got Duke moving on, but uh, it'll be it'll be good to see uh, if yeah. I mean, everybody's going to watch to see if Taco gets dunked on, but uh, you know, there's some other good matchups <clears throat> uh, today too. I think um, it'll be interesting to see if North Carolina can hold serve against Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, North Carolina is probably one of the hottest teams in the country right now, and if they uh, move on and Kentucky beats the winner of Ohio State and Houston, they'll match up with North Carolina to go to the Final Four. Uh, but Kentucky can't overlook um, either of these teams, Ohio State or Houston, without P.J. Travis being on the 
ten, you know, he's out injured right now. Hopefully, uh, he can come back and play. This. Reed, Reed Travis. No, uh, PJ PJ Washington. Yeah, Washington's in a boot in a cast. Uh, leading scorer, leading rebounder. Uh, so, I don't see Kentucky going as far. Obviously, without. P.J. Washington, but I don't know how serious it is. We'll see if he uh, makes it back. Hopefully he does. But uh, this Houston team, if, if they end up meet, matching up with Houston, uh, is a very deadly team, and they can easily take care of Kentucky, I would say, without P.J. Washington. I shouldn't say easily, but they're very physical down low. Okay. And they're going to need P.J. Washington for that game if it's Houston uh, that they go up against. So we got a full slate of action today. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight games today. Yes. Uh, somewhat anticlimactic start. Am I wrong? No. Start I to the tournament. Everybody's always looking, especially on the heels of Virginia losing last year. And then it looked like they may have dropped again. Yes. They uh, were, but they didn't. They right. recovered. But, it, you know, everybody's always expecting these big upsets. And we didn't quite see that this year. What does that tell us? Uh it looks like they've the selection committee has done a good job with this bracket because it's actually holding serve so far. I mean, there's a few slight upsets, uh, nothing major. I mean, you still have all the ones and twos um, still available, I think, even possibly all the threes. Um, but I think they've done a good job on this bracket, and um, – there's going to be some intriguing match. Well, I think the best matchup actually for today would probably be the Buffalo Texas Tech game. Um, Texas Tech is only uh, favored by four. That's uh, three versus six matchup. That'll be a good. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of intriguing names in that game, but uh, I could see that one going down to the wire. But uh, ACC doing really good so far. They've got. Uh, I think they've only had a couple teams been knocked out. They look like they're the strongest uh, conference so far. ACC, I'm sorry, SEC also doing good. Yeah, SEC's doing really good. Uh, I think they've only lost a couple. Uh, LSU looking very strong. Um, and Auburn. Both both of those teams possibly can uh, make some noise in the tournament. And it's pretty intriguing to see that uh, LSU's doing so good without their head coach who was uh recorded on fbi um wiretaps talking about paying players but the players are have been very resilient with that side story going on and they're taking care of business but uh ohio state won an 11 over a six if we're looking for a uh everybody always wants to see a cinderella right yes who, who's the candidate who are the candidates for the Cinderella story this year, um, I mean an eleven. Yeah, um, even though Buffalo got a six seed, I mean I think they still fall in that category. Um, if they can upset Texas Tech today, but there's not really like last year. I mean, well, you got UC Irvine. That's probably the closest we have uh, going against Oregon. Um, Oregon is favored by five in that game. And, uh, you know, not very intriguing matchup on that one. I don't I don't get to watch either of those teams out there in the West Coast. 
That's at 940 tonight. A 13 against a 12. UC Irvine in Oregon. Yes. So, you know, according to seeding, the winner of that game would probably be the, quote, Cinderella of the, the tournament thus far. Like I said, Ohio State, a big name school, but also an 11 seed. So right. depending on how things go, um, you know, after today, the, the games start back up on Thursday. Doc, overall feelings right now about the state of, of the NCAA tournament. Was it, am I accurate in saying anticlimactic? Is this a boring tournament? I would say after last night's matches, yes. Uh, Murray State was very interesting to watch. I think they were trying to build that as the Cinderella team, assuming they would not lose last night, but they did. They got blown out last night. Too. Yes. It was bad. Uh, I uh, must admit I was watching their uh, first game as well. Uh, very interesting team to watch. I I mean... Morant had a triple-double in the first round. Oh, yeah. They were doing very well. Uh, I wouldn't... Assuming Ohio State beats Houston, I mean, they would be the Cinderella team minus... Not in title, though. I wouldn't really ever call Ohio State a Cinderella team. I also would never say anything nice about Ohio State if you paid me money. So <laughs> I'm with you on that. We'll have to uh, make sure we keep that same that same enthusiasm going when Steve gets back in studio next week, because I will be sure to tell him <laughs> that you both said that, right? Absolutely. You know, that's my my as the the host of the the show. That's my responsibility is try to stir up controversy between the other hosts. You know, the producers, the hosts. I want to see some fireworks. That's what I'm disappointed in thus far is I haven't really seen fireworks. Well, what I did see fireworks in was a UFC card last night. Showtime Pettis knocked oh, out man. Wonder Boy. Okay, yikes! That's the fireworks that caught my eye. That heavyweight fight before that too is a nice one. Also, I didn't see it. It was great wrestling. You never see wrestling used at a heavyweight level, and uh, I can't remember the the guy's name, but the, very good wrestler. Stipe used wrestling. Yeah, Stipe, uh, and I mean DC as well when you think about it. But this guy looked like Habib wrestling. I okay, mean, it, it didn't look like folk style wrestling. It looked like mauling another human wrestling. Okay. Uh, other than that, the shiny, the fireworks that Kelly Patrick is looking for, Chris. And yeah, I just referred to myself in the third person. Um, you, That's you sounded, the only way to do it. Well, yeah, I'm a big deal. Um, <laughs> you you sounded like you had something else for me. Uh. Well, I, I was just going to say that um, some of the storylines that you can look at, you're not going to have a repeat champion. Villanova got knocked out by Purdue. Um, we didn't really talk about – we haven't been in the studio since the bracket was revealed. Mm -hmm. You had uh, the Big Ten with the most teams in the tournament, which I think is crazy because I think the Big Ten is – overrated a little bit. I was shocked that the ACC didn't get the most teams. Um, you had Clemson that failed to make the tournament. Uh, I believe NC State was on the bubble also. So um, there was a lot of love given to the Big Ten, uh, and it looks like they've actually uh, – well, I mean, at the top, the Big Ten's done pretty good. But um, – I don't know if they deserved that many teams. Um, it's kind of weird not uh, having some of these powerhouses, um, well, perennials. Uh, you, you've got the uh, Indiana storyline of them being in the NIT. Okay. <laughs> and uh, fans still showing up. Um, 
like it was the NCAA. Well, they didn't report a huge amount, but everybody in the lower bowl, it made it look like they had a field uh, arena. But What a testament to the fan base that is the Indiana Hoosiers that after how many years of futility, how many? When did Mike Davis take them to the, the championship game? 2003 or two, maybe. Okay. Um, so that was a while ago. 16, yeah. 17 years ago. That they really had much going on. I guess they had Oladipo and Zeller. They've had a couple little f- flashes uh, of something, but never really made any noise when it mattered. And the fans are still out supporting. I mean, that's a, a passionate fan base if, I, if I've ever seen one, uh, being that they continue to support very bad product. Yes, I, I'm shocked that uh, there's not more outcry from the fans uh, about Indiana being irrelevant in college basketball right now. I mean, you've got a big storyline with um, Romeo Langford, and they didn't even utilize, uh, take advantage of having Abraham Lincoln <laughs> on the, the their team. Are you forever going to call? Romeo Abraham Lincoln. Um, you know his his. Uh, they put so much on his shoulders when he made that commitment to Indiana. You know, I mean, they were comparing this kid to every, you know, historical figure, named a park after him. Hopefully, we can learn something from this. Uh, you don't put too much pressure on these kids, no matter how much you think they're going to. If he could do it all over again, Romeo Lankford would. Go to U of L or go somewhere else? You think? I think he would have done much better at U of L. Yes, um, because look at the big hole that U of L had. They had no two guard really. Um, they they, they had, had four <clears throat> who had absolutely no offense. No offense. Then, None. Then you had McMahon that was all offense, no defense. So he definitely would have plugged a hole um, that Louisville had in their starting lineup, but. Um, you don't get redos in this game, and uh, he's got to live with his choice. And it's going to be a very forgettable season for Romeo Langford in Indiana. You're right. You mentioned earlier that we had not been on the air since the brackets were released. That being said, the Louisville fan base right now is dot, dot, dot. Fill in the blank. Uh, jaded. Okay. Doc? The Louisville basketball fan base right now is jumping off the Chris Mack bandwagon. Looking forward to football season. <laughs> oh. I don't think they're jumping off the Chris okay. Mack bandwagon. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm throwing stuff out, seeing what sticks. You know, they were predicted to be the 11th team in the ACC. Versus preseason expectations, they did all right. They did good. They did really good. Um, you just didn't have uh, enough players of the caliber that Louisville needs, actually. Um, if you look, they Louisville probably p- uh, played one of the best schedules in college basketball. So uh, Louisville fans need to relax in the fact that they played, you know, North Carolina twice. They played Duke. They played, I mean, a tough gauntlet of games. Uh, and – I think they did very well because I think at the beginning of the year I predicted they wouldn't make the tournament. Okay. So making the tournament was a an accomplishment for Chris Mike's team. And um, they have one of the top three or four recruiting classes coming in next year. 
very good athletic players coming in. Um, we'll see what Mike can do with his own recruits, and uh, I think he'll do very well with this upcoming roster that he'll have. I want to remind our listeners, we are the Weekend Sports Buzz. We are on the air every Sunday from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. Been in this time slot for over seven years now. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Doc Parks and Chris Embry. We're brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy. Located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. They offer jiu-jitsu classes for adults, jiu-jitsu classes for children, Muay Thai kickboxing, wrestling. Uh, they have everything. They actually have the, the highest number of active fighters at any gym in the state of Kentucky. Adrian Jenkins and the Fergusons and Brennan Bishop over at Louisville Combat Academy. A great gym in the Valley Station part of Louisville off Dixie Highway. Uh, we encourage you to give us a call on the Louisville Combat Academy buzz line, which is 502-384-1450. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we're going to head to a break. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW, The Big X. We want to welcome in studio with us, we have an 18-year-old senior in high school, Gage Mitchell. Yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I only specify that because it's not often that we see someone who has three cage fights. Yes. Uh, despite still being a high schooler. Yeah, I'll be uh, graduating in late May, around May 14th, and I won't turn 19 until mid-April. Okay. Um, in your debut, I, and I've said it, you probably heard me say it during commentary, in your debut, you took a very difficult fight. Yeah, I went in there. Against, against Bryant so let's Haynes. say, Bryant Haynes of yeah. core. We all know who Bryant Haynes is, right, Doc? Yeah. Which I think he's like 5-0, and 6-0 and now or something. Yeah, sounds right. I went to fight him, which I just turned 18 three days before that fight. And I was like, I'm super good. They just don't know it yet. And I was like, uh, I only knew he had one fight. I didn't know too much about him. So I went in there and I was like, I'm probably going to smoke this dude. <laughs> Hardest I've ever been hit in my life. I was like, all right, not easy fight. So I blame it on me going in there just kind of being cocky. So I learned from it for sure. You were literally just turned 18. So really, yeah. I'd say, safe to say not a lot of shame in losing that type of fight. Your head coach is... Troy Hayes, other coaches are Nick Adcock and Frank Stanley. Gage, tell us a little bit about yourself and your team and, and what you train. Doc, if you have any questions or want to chime in, okay. feel free. Well, you already know I'm a senior in high school and all that. I've started training, I think it was like a week ago. I've been training for 10 years. I'm actually a junior black belt at Hayes MMA. We train in extreme freestyle. Our head instructor is Troy Hayes, like you said. We train sambo, catch wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kickbox, and boxing. And I'm a junior black belt and all that. People compare it to like a brown belt. That's what I was trying to tell you last fight. But I am a BJJ blue belt. I just started that not too long ago with uh, Warren, Professor Warren Brooks. He is actually the head instructor at the UFC gym in Oregon. And we train with him a lot. And we also train with Nice Guy Submission 
a lot as Ooh, well. I like those guys. So I train with that, and I've been doing that for about 10 years. We've trained with uh, my sensei has went all over the world, trained with Royce Gracie, many of multitude of fighters, and we uh, have got a lot of class. Just because we're in a small town does not mean we don't have world-class material. And what is this small town again? I'm sorry. Madisonville, Kentucky. Okay. It's like barely on the map. How, how far of a drive was it for you this morning to our Jeffersonville studio? It's like two hours and 45 minutes. I appreciate you making the, the trek oh, yeah. to see us in all seriousness. Yeah, and we're in a different time zone, so I got up at like 4.30 this morning to come nice. down here. But other than that, like, we just do all sorts of stuff. So I've been training in multitudes of, of lots, especially like with the Sambo and the catch wrestling. I have a multitude of jujitsu areas I'm familiar with, and it just kind of feels like second nature for me. You're 18 years old, and you've basically been training for specifically mixed martial arts for about 10 years. Is yes. that accurate? Yes. I've been training basically my whole life just to be a cage fighter. That's why I was, but I was put into it because I like Power Rangers, but I wanted to be a cage fighter too. So that was my main go for my whole multitude of it. Okay. Any training partners you want to give shout outs to? Uh, absolutely. Our one of my biggest trainers, well, besides Nick Adcock being one of my coaches, Sean Van Hook and Raekwon Qualls, are, and even Eric is Eric Harris are mo- my three partners I use mainly. Eric has some insane reach. He's new to it. He's been training for like maybe nine months. Sean uh, is a military guy himself. Super strong. Probably has some of the biggest heart I know. So. Beating him's really hard, and then Raekwon's just a heavyweight who hits super hard. So it's all over the place. I try to go in different areas for the most part. All three of those guys are fighters who the HRMMA faithful are familiar with. Yes. I think Raekwon's had three fights, Sean's had three fights, and Eric's had two fights. Okay. Um, Big plans on the horizon. Are you getting back into the cage soon? What's next for Gage Mitchell? I was thinking about fighting on the May 24th card, but big plans have changed for me. I'm actually doing this thing for the Marine Corps. It's called the Marine Corps Reserves, which one of our fighters, Sean Van Hook, does this. But basically, I just got to go to boot camp and MOS, which will be like four to six months. So I'll be back around October or December this year. And honestly, I'll probably fight the first or second card of 2020. And I'll be back and on a completely different level because I'll have that Marine Corps mentality. And I'll just probably come into a different weight class or something as well. Okay. Up or down? Well, I've been trying to find 125, so I try to go down. But it's really amateur, really hard to find a fight at 125. But that's my natural weight class. My last fight, I had a fight at 125. He backed out. So I went up a weight class last second. So I normally, a lot of fighters like cut from like 160 or something and cut down. What I do is I like to like just live in that weight class and stay there. So I don't have to worry about weight cuts or anything. I'm just so used to it. And that's where I get my speed and strength, which really comes in handy. Now, Doc, you and Gage were both on this last card. Gage, you had a difficult opponent. Caught me off guard. Yeah, <laughs> more of a fight um, than to be honest. I was really expecting. Yeah. Thoughts well, on your last time you stepped inside the cage? Well, when I went in there, I looked at him, and I didn't know a lot, a lot about him. I just know he's been training for like four or five years, and I was like, "This dude's probably not going to be nothing." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I appreciate your honesty because you probably don't want to ever think that." Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, I, I still went in there precautious because I learned from my first fight. So I went in there. I was like, I can't take them lightly. I'm going to go in there and just try to tap them out. And uh, I went for the takedown. We hit the ground. And then I found out very quickly that this guy was up there, up there in jiu-jitsu as well. So after the second round, uh, I was like, all right, it's time to explode. I got to go all out this whole round. Cause I I raised it. I was buying like two to one or two to zero. So other than that, I felt like when we hit the ground that third time, he was wore out, and then it was my time to go at it and attack it. But jujitsu wise, that's where I try to go for my strong point because my mentality is is anybody can get choked out. Some people you can't knock out. Some people you can't slam on their head and they won't be phased by it. But any person I know can be choked unconscious. So. I go for chokes or arm bars or anything of the like because anybody will tap out at some point. Myron Salvador was yes. was the guy. He was making his debut. Uh, it's difficult, man. With when you, when you yeah. have, I'm doing commentary, trying to really get a feel for a debut fighter because it could go one way. They may not be that impressive, but at the same time, when I saw you debuting against uh, Bryant Haynes, you know. It's just always a little bit of a wild card. You don't know how yep. good of a, a fighter it actually is. Myron Salvador, in my opinion, is 0-1, but looked very good. Yes. Uh, for my, Him fighting me for his first fight, we might have been around the same age, both in high school, but I've been doing it for 10 years. Uh, if it wasn't, if it was somebody else, I'd probably give it to him. That He would have looked phenomenal. I just think that he's got a lot of big stuff coming for him, by the way, anyway. So, very tough fight for me. Very bright future. And, I mean, taking fights like this, I'm not a guy to back out of fights. I take super hard fights uh, because that sets you up for pro. If you if you take the easy fights now, get first-round knockouts, you never go to the third round or have a hard fight, when you go pro, you're not going to hit you. So if I have a fight now, go for it instantly. So you're still in high school. Yes. Is there a lot of kids in high school? Because I can imagine, like – when fighters go out to bars, there's a lot of guys in bars. If they figure out you're a fighter, they're going to want to fight you. Is, there has to be kids in high school who come up to you just wanting to fight you. There has been people who have tried me. And for the most part in high school, they're just like, show me something. Show me something. And it only takes you showing somebody something one time. What's something you show them? I- so they were like, if I get you in, if I grab you by the throat right now, what are you going to do? And I showed them, uh, like, I grabbed them. And I just punched him right in the throat and did a uh, hit toss <laughs> right him in there. The throat. Was this in school? Yes. Okay. And they were just like, it was. We were in weightlifting class, so nobody could see us. So I, I punched him in the throat and hip tossed him, and they were like, "All right." And then it kind of just spreads around because everything goes around. So it was kind of just a guy. And I'm like super nice anyway. A lot of people tell me like, you meet him, you won't even tell he's a fighter or anything. Oh but, yeah, because you're not real big. No, I'm just like. How tall? How tall are you? How much you weigh? I'm like five foot seven, one twenty five on the dot. Yeah. So, but other than that, like that's I, what you're walking around at right now. Yeah, I just walk around at one twenty five so all day. You go up in weight to fight? Yes. Really? Nice. I go up. Ten, I go ten pounds up the day of the fight, and I cut right back down the day after because I like fighting at one twenty five because that's where I get like my speed and my flexibility from. So if I'm fighting, somebody, what's the value in you going up like that? And the value of me going up like that means I just get more fights. Yeah, obviously it's difficult to find 125-pound opponents, 
but why not just stay the way you walk around at? Or is there a value in the day? Are you understand what I'm asking, Doc? The value in it? In, in, in beefing up the yeah, day before. Why, and then, why add the weight? Why not just weigh in at which way? Because, uh, I mean, if you add the weight, you ca- they're kind of just like, oh, he's like 130-something. They they don't know what to expect. And a lot of people will cut from like 155, 160 or something and go to 135, and I'm bulking up. And then I'm just – I'm wiry, scrappy, 125. I just feel like it gives you that build boost because the day after you feel when it drains back out of your body, I feel completely refreshed on a whole different level. You just feel loose. Loosey-goosey is what I like to call it. Okay. So it, it's kind of a different approach to fighting. I've seen some fighters do that, but not a lot of them do that. They mostly just cut down, go back up. Well, Gage, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Before we wrap things up, you mentioned a few of your training partners. Is it Game Over Gage? What's your Instagram? You got a Twitter? Yeah. How, do, how do our listeners uh, support you? So uh, my Instagram is Game Over Gage. I have it private, but I mean, I'll add you. I'm not, I'm not like kind of a douchebag or anything. And then uh, game, Gage Game Over Mitchell is my Facebook, which I go on there, and I'll, mine's private as well, but I'll add you on there as well. Okay. And then if you ever want to like just talk to me, it's like just look up Gage Game Over. There's ways to contact me, stuff like that as well. Which, uh, a fun fact about me, I hate laundry. I like tacos. And, <laughs> and the reason I got that uh, nickname is because like I've been to grappling tournaments and stuff, and I always finish. So one way or another, they were like, whether he wins or loses, somebody's getting finished, and they just started calling me game over. So looking at your record, you so in in, in those tournaments, the grappling tournaments, you have yeah. been submitted. Yes, I've been submitted. But a you times. you don't lose by points. Yeah, normally people go in there, and there's either you can submit somebody or get outpointed. And normally, if you go to outpoint me, I know you're not good submission artists. Mm-hmm. So every person that's tried to outpoint me has been tapped out. Normally, I've been tapped out by a couple people. Some of them, one was like from Puerto Rico, and then I had one from like, it was like South Carolina, and it was like one of the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu states, or gyms, so 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and Sean Sean Hammond schools are really rough, but other than that, it's Naga, other tournaments I've been to have great experience holds where you get to try out your Jiu-Jitsu skills. Once again, we have Gage Mitchell. 18-year-old senior in high school, sitting at 2-1 and one amateur MMA record uh, gauges of Hayes MMA. We appreciate you joining us this morning, uh, Gage. Um, hopefully we get to see you back in the cage soon. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you're more than welcome to come back and join us another time soon. Thank you very All much. Right. Thank you, guys. Glad to be back. Great stuff. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in this morning. Please stay tuned. We will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW, The Big X. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Doc Parks. We got Chris Embry, uh, full house for the production staff this morning. Uh, want to thank Louisville Combat Academy for their support for the show. Louisville Combat Academy is located at 10105 Dixie Highway. 
Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. They offer martial arts classes for adults and children, for anyone who, whether you want to get into a cage and be an MMA fighter or you just want to stay in shape, contact Louisville Combat Academy. We appreciate their support. AJ Jenkins, the Fergusons, Brandon Bishop, everybody over there, such a great crew over in the Dixie Highway part of Louisville. I want to thank Gage Mitchell for coming in with us. Uh, a lot of interesting insight into an 18-year-old kid who has three MMA fights already. It's amazing. I was also I- intrigued by him saying he walks around at 125 pounds. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yes. Um, and he didn't look like a big guy, obviously, right? right. I mean, it's not, not, um, not, not too shocking. But um, that was an interesting interview, great insight, and we look forward to more big things out of Gage Mitchell in the future. College basketball today, Chris. We got eight games ahead of us. I am the type guy who's always looking for fireworks. If I'm being honest, I haven't seen the fireworks. I haven't seen Adam Morrison or, you know, a a big figure like that. Uh, Morant from Murray State had a triple-double in the first round. That was exciting. But they got knocked out last night. That's right. No Sweet 16. Um, if I'm really... Uh, <laughs> Zion Williamson against Taco Fall has to be the big story right now, right? Right. That's the biggest storyline of today's games. Um, you're, Yeah, there's not... Uh, you're you're going to have to wait until the Sweet 16 games uh, to see two powerhouses going at it. Um You'll, you'll probably have to wait until the Elite Eight, actually, to see that uh, possible North Carolina-Kentucky matchup. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so far, not too many thrilling moments for the tournament. Um, I'd like to see, like, maybe, you know, some kind of action, something. I want to see Taco Fall take a historic charge from Zion Williamson as he's attempting to dunk from the free throw line. That's what I'm looking for today. I don't know if my expectations are too high, but I mean that's what that's what it's going to take for me to sign off on this being a truly great uh, March Madness. The Louisville Combat Academy buzz line is five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. We are going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Brian, the insider, is on with us. I know Brian has some silver linings, some excitement from the the beginning to March Madness that he can point out to us. Brian, how are you, and what do you have for us this morning? Kelly, doing great this morning. Uh, have been enjoying the tournament. I uh, want to congratulate Kentucky. A hard-fought win over a very good uh, Wolford team. Uh, their, their, their shooter, I think he might have been watching tapes of uh, Wara uh, with his shot selection. Uh, I, you know, he, uh, that guy took more off-balance, poor shots. I thought I was watching a replay of the highlight season for Wara for Louisville, but uh, – uh, it was a hard-fought game. The big question I've got is I don't think Kentucky's going to – I've got – I did one bracket, and I had Kentucky winning it. Uh, that was – and I should have changed it, but I did not really get the full scoop, I, I guess, my own fault, on the P.J. Washington deal. But I don't see Kentucky winning it without P.J. So, you know, and, and I guess this boot thing, I'm not sure if it's a real deal or if it's it can peel off and – the cow says it's a boot, but it come, comes right off. I did notice PJ is the first guy to jump up and congratulate anyone coming off the bench. I'd have put a seatbelt on him if I was a cow, so he couldn't jump up. If the ID, he wheels in with the, with the hard boot on, but he can jump up and 
hi-fi his teammates. So Kentucky's not going to go any further. I, I think they could get past this next round. Um, you know, let me talk about the next round. They're going to play Ohio State or Houston. Talk about second chances. How about Samson, Houston's coach? Go, Google him and look at the violations that guy's been involved with. And, I mean, to, to know he's back, he's obviously a good coach, but uh, Indiana fans don't have to go far to see what kind of trouble he got them in. So unbelievable forgiveness there for Samson to be back on the sideline. I'm pulling for the Buckeyes. Uh, so, uh, uh, and, and I liked your talk about Romeo. Uh, I actually watched that Indiana game. I think Indiana's better without Romeo. Uh, Romeo really, um, I don't know. He just he made a bad selection there. I agree with the, all the hype over Romeo. I don't ever remember so much hype locally around any player. I guess there was maybe Daryl Griffith, but that was before the days of you know uh, all, all the social media. But Romeo got so much hype, and to, and to see the disappointing career short-lived career he had uh, is really amazing. So uh, Louisville could have used him, I think. They could have used somebody. But uh, Louisville, I'm not disappointed at all with the Louisville team. I think they overachieved uh, with what they had. You know, they had two – they didn't even get two grad transfers that were well sought after. I mean, they got the bottom of the barrel, and and they're nice guys, and they worked out good. But if you remember, nobody – it was toxic when Chris Mack took over. Nobody wanted to commit to Louisville, and uh, so they didn't even get the best transfers they were wanting to get and had to settle for those two who, who played their heart out, nice guys. It was nice to see Cunningham said it was the greatest year of his life. He played well. He had a nice final game, but not ACC caliber backcourt at all. And so I'm anxious to see the new crew that comes in, and I think things will be much better for Louisville heading forward. Hey, I got a Derby update. The Louisiana Derby was held yesterday, and uh, War Will out of the Mark Cassie barn was less than even favorite. He was really the smart guy's pick to win the Derby and threw out a real clunker, and they're not sure what happened to him. Off in the hind end is what they said afterwards, so I'm not sure what happens there, but uh, it was 22-1 to one shot by my standard out of the Brett Calhoun barn one uh for the for the so he immediately jumps up by my standard with the 100 points immediately jumps up to number one in the derby so that horse is in congratulations to brett calhoun a great trainer out of lexington um the the louisiana oaks was won by larry jones which he, he seems to own that race he's had the best fillies uh and that that really does not too many louisiana derbies Winners have went on and done well in the Kentucky Derby, but the Louisiana Oaks is probably the most important Kentucky Oaks race, so keep an eye on Larry Jones and the Kentucky Oaks. But uh, uh, today we've got the Sunland Derby uh, being run, and that's a 50-point race. And then next week we got the Florida Derby, which is probably the biggest race as far as implications for the Kentucky Derby. That goes next week, and then the following week we've got uh, the Wood, the Santa Anita Derby, and uh, the Arkansas Derby. So it is really wrapping up, guys. So uh, get your Derby horses going. I mentioned last week I'd have a top ten. I don't have that yet. It's it's really uh, it's really about as wide open a Derby. Uh, and with what's going on with Baffert out in California, with them closing the track, and uh, so it, it's it's definitely a different year uh, for the Derby. Hey, I wanted to send my condolences to LeBron James. One of the class act guys of all time. He just does his best for his teammates and 
you know, is just a just a real gives everybody the benefit of the doubt. Uh, poor LeBron, after trying to stack the team there in the it, 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 Los Angeles Lakers, is out of the playoffs. So I'm going to go ahead and send some money to LeBron because I feel so bad for him. I think he's been so great for basketball that uh, I'm going to go ahead and send him uh, 15 grand. So uh, uh, I really feel bad for LeBron, and I hope all your listeners do too. But guys, that's all I got for you. I'm going to watch the game. I'm pulling for my guys up here today. Uh, I hope they can breed a very good Houston team. But uh, I'm enjoying the tournament. But I'd like to hear more speculation on what's going on with PJ because. Without PJ, I don't see Kentucky winning at all. And uh, with him, and, uh, you know, they, that's a whole different team. But they really needed him yesterday, in my opinion. So thanks for having me on, guys. I'll hang up and listen. Great stuff, as always, from our man Brian the Insider. If you want to follow Brian, check him out on Twitter at Brian the Insider. He a lot of buzz. The, the Kentucky Derby. Before we get to college basketball, the Kentucky Derby is an event. It's a social event. It's the place where Wes Welker can drop a bunch of ecstasy and party and throw $100 bills at people, right? Yes. That's where, where celebrities can come and really let their hair down and just act the fool, right? That's yep. why people care about the Kentucky Derby, right? The, fact that, the fact that the game, uh, the, the field has been dramatically impacted this year, and as Brian said with the Lasix testing in, in California and the, the tracks really being shut down, to those types of specific horses who use Lasix, um, the impact that will have on the Kentucky Derby is—I don't know—is it going to impact it much? Field? Is Wes Welker going to still go loses loses head there and really, uh, you know? I mean, as I said earlier, can we see celebrities really partying? Because is that what matters, or, or does the, the selection for the actual horses? How much does that actually matter, Doc and Chris? Uh, t- as somebody who's lived in Louisville my whole life, <clears throat> um, the Derby is not for uh, the local people, really. I don't think. Okay. I, th- I think it's for the for the big time, the elites and stuff like you didn't, that. You didn't. You grew up not too far from the track, right? How far? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, right off Taylor Boulevard, behind Iroquois Projects that no longer exist. Okay. So it's not far from there, and. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a short. It, I think it's going to affect the the Derby because of the shortened field. You're not having as many. Um, I mean, you've had so many horses die, mm-hmm. and this is the biggest controversy I've seen leading up to a Derby since I've. I almost wish we could get Brian back on because I want to know: Will it be a full field? Will it be twenty horses? I think it will. Even if it's impacted dramatically, maybe the caliber of those horses will not be as high. You know. Right. I, I don't know. I don't want to get – I know it's college basketball season, and that's really what we need to be talking about. But <laughs> if we're actually listening to what Brian's saying, previewing the Derby, it's, well, man, the, the entire sport has been dramatically impacted this year, very different than other years. So yeah. how much will that impact the first Saturday in May? I, I think it definitely will. The quality uh, may be down. You've got a a lot of people that are pulling their horses out of uh, the track where the issue uh, is happening. I think it's weird that it's all happening in that one area. If it was just that drug, don't you think it would be happening in at all all the tracks? I mean, there's something really odd about this. I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how this all turns out. 
that is one of our producers, Chris Embry. You said you grew up, what would it be, about 10 minutes from Churchill Downs? Yeah. Is that about right? That's about right. All right. On the other side, we got Doc Parks. Doc, how many minutes did you grow up from Keeneland? From Keeneland, uh, I was uh, about 15, 20-minute drive. Okay. Keeneland's outside of New Circle on Lexington. I was on New Circle in Lexington. Okay. But I could take New Circle. Traffic's terrible. I could probably walk there faster than... uh, then I could drive. I love it. Uh, that's the you know the the host's job here is I'm tying it both together. We got two producers pointing out. You guys like that? Yeah. Pointing out the the connections to the two big tracks in the state. How much time did you spend at Keeneland, Doc? Uh, I would every once in a while I'd work there in the summer, the springtime, uh, only for about three or four weeks. Though I wouldn't do it very frequently. All right. So uh, let's let's get a little snippet into the. I don't know, call it elitism or the uh, air of the people there in Lexington. What's the consensus among the people in Lexington about Keeneland versus Churchill Downs? Everyone acknowledges Churchill Downs is number one. Oh, really? Yeah. I think people debate, however, who has which one's more fun to attend, though. I think Keeneland is more of an extreme. You have either more extreme of the... I guess, super high-class party people, and then more extreme of the college kid, I'm going here to drink a lot of alcohol in the parking lot. Okay. Type people. But mix in with that Churchill Downs experience is also the queen, Michael Jackson, uh, Tom Brady, as I said earlier, Wes Welker dropping X, you know, Uh, (laughs) the big parties. Right. I may be the most famous person to have ever attended Keeneland, so you are right. (laughs) No, Keeneland gets some big stars, too. But they, I don't, you know, I don't know of them getting Michael, you know, Michael Jackson. I think Michael Jordan. There's stories uh, of all the big stars really spending a lot of time at Derby. So, you, you guys go to the Derby often? No, I've never been. You've never been, and you grew up ten minutes from never the been. track. Okay. Yeah, it, like I said, um, I mean, if I ever was to go, I would probably do the infield if they still do that. I guess they do. Um, it's a pricey ticket. I mean, a lot of people go there, let's be honest, to be seen, right? It's like a, uh, you know, the race is only two minutes, but everybody's dressing up. It's more of an event to be, you know, seen and, and dress up and be, you know. Live it up like Wes Welker, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, our man Brian, the insider, actually just tweeted at me. He said it'll definitely be a full field, so 20 horses. Um, now the caliber of those horses versus, you know, recent years, I don't know, you know, that, that would be another, uh, interesting thing that we'll have to hear from Brian, uh, soon, maybe next week about. So enough with the Derby prep, we do want to give it its due. You know what I mean? The Kentucky Derby's coming up soon. Very soon. And it's hands down the biggest sporting event that we entertain here on an annual basis, right? Yep. And most definitely. Uh, I, I keep th- saying Wes Welker. Is there any other uh, stars that we know have really just lost it and went overboard with the party in it, Kentucky Derby? That I that I you know that deserves to be mentioned. Anyone? Kid Rock. Kid Rock. Tell us a Kid Rock story. Well, um, so like like I said, where I grew up, uh, my brother. Um, well, he uh, it was the Oaks Day, I believe it was, and they went into a. 
uh, gentlemen's club, I should say. I, that's how they call them. But uh, over on 7th Street, he walks in, and who does he see? Kid Rock and Pamela Anderson. <laughs> what year do you think this was? Uh, this was probably uh, around 2000, 2001. And, um, right in Kid Rock's heyday, really. And he didn't pick, like, the upscale place, no. He picked Thoroughbred Lounge on 7th Street. Right? Okay. So that pretty much uh, sums up Kid Rock. Don't He don't feel like he needs to be at these big-time – He he's more of a everyday man, I guess, if he, he's showing up at a place like that. Having worked in the service industry, you know, serving, waiting tables, busing tables, working in restaurants for many years, a lot of the stories specific to the Kentucky Derby that I've heard are stuff like Scottie Pippen or Michael Jordan was there and didn't tip or, you know – Wow. Something bad about tipping. Uh, I think there's a story that Michael uh, Jordan wasn't happy for some incident, and he, maybe he paid the bill, some giant bill. Every there was a bunch of servers, and instead of leaving them, you know, twenty percent tip, maybe he left zero percent. He didn't leave a tip. Wow, something along those lines. So that those type of stories seem to stick with uh, the locals. Obviously, that's what it is: is the locals. Uh, but back to college basketball. Big game today is. At 5.15, we have Central Florida, 9 seed against Duke, who's probably the consensus choice right now to win it all. Yes. Uh, we got Zion Williamson going and, against the Giant, 7'6", Taco Fall. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, beyond that matchup right there, um, I can see Duke dominating this uh Central Florida team. I mean, they're just too uh, uh, powerful uh, of a team with Zion. You know, he can pretty much play any position he wants. And, uh, you know, he didn't miss a beat. When he came back and played in that first game after the shoe blowout, uh, he had like 30 points. I don't think he missed a shot. The guy is on a different level. I mean um, – and I think it's great that he actually came back because you got to look. He's got a lot to lose, and he didn't have to actually come back and play any more games. He's going to be the number one pick no matter what. Um, but it, it says something about him that he um, he he just wants to compete. He wants uh, his one year in college to be a, a big-time memory for him. But uh, Brian the Insider brought up about um, – P.J. Washington. Oh, yeah, injury. that's a little bit of a story. Yeah, um, I agree with him. They are not winning at all with P.J. Washington, uh, w- with him out. Um, and how big of a story is it? I think it's huge because uh, P.J. himself said he heard a pop when it happened, and they asked him how uh, tough, how how big of a pain was it and he said from 0 to 10, it was a 10 on the pain scale. I don't want to hear that from my leading scorer, leading rebounder. Um, Is P.J. Washington the MVP of this team? Yes. and um, Ahead of Keldon Johnson, ahead of yeah, he, anybody. I, you know, and I think some of these early uh, awards that he's won proves that. He's been selected third-team All-American uh, by some uh, writers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's definitely – the, the man on the team he's the best we we always think about when 
uh, we're talking three-point shooting on Kentucky's team. We think of Harrell. We think of Johnson. But um, uh, the truth of the matter is P.J. Washington is the best three-point shooting percentage player on the team. And um, when you take him out of the mix, these teams are focusing more on Reed Travis um, and preventing the ball from going down low. Uh, it's a lot easier for these teams to defend against without PG on the floor. And if he doesn't come back, um, I, you're not going to be able to take down a North Carolina without PJ Washington. I just don't see it. So, um, and I, I really don't see him coming back. I sure. would, I would yeah, love for him to come back, but I think not when you're that high of a projected pick, right? No, PJ Washington's not coming back, right? I, well, I, it's not a definite, but I would say at least 90% uh, that he don't come back. And that's sad because, um, you know, he came back to get his draft stock higher, which he's done, and to win a championship. Uh, he looks like he's very upbeat on the sideline. Uh, he don't look like he is at a pain level 10. Like Brian the Insider said, he's standing and jumping around uh, cheering his team on, if it's that serious, he doesn't need to get up and be, uh, you know, doing those things, putting strain on that foot. But uh, I'm hoping he comes back. I did pick Kentucky to win it all at the beginning of the year. And uh, at full strength, I would still say that. But we'll see. Um, uh, it looks grim on him coming back, though. Just got a, a tweet. Once again, you can interact with me on Twitter. <laughs> At the Kelly Patrick, we also have the show account, which is at WSB fourteen fifty. Um, just got a tweet saying, "A reminder: Louisville women play a one seed today at noon at the Yum Center against an eight seed Michigan." How much interest? What do you guys think of the whole Louisville fans are knocked out of the men's tournament? Oh, okay. Well, we're just as interested in the Louisville women basketball team. Uh, it, you know. Now they turn their shift. What do you guys – you think that's the deflection strategy or – Oh, I think there's definitely some fans that translate from the men's to the women's, but it's a – It would be cool if the women won it all. That would be awesome. This would be the year to do it because UConn women's team is not the power that they normally are every year. Um, this is – you know, Louisville – women's team they've actually become one of the biggest teams in the country they are top five with this coach that they have and uh they they do great in recruiting um yeah you know i was downtown right before um the women's game the last one there was quite a few people walking you know there was a, i could see a big fan interest but uh, i don't know how much of that is uh, local versus uh, some of these other teams that are in that same venue. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not as big as the men's tournament, but uh, it is a uh, still a big storyline locally. Absolutely. And um, Louisville fans should be proud of what the women have done this year. Very I was good trying time. to give you Kentucky guys some low-hanging fruit to rip on the Louisville fan base, and neither of you are biting on it at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a consolation. Uh, I, I don't want to rip too hard on. No, Louisville. that's fair. You don't want to be anti-women, at least not on the air. You don't. <laughs> He's right. 
Right? I, uh, am I right? I, well, you know, hey, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick up for the women and say they don't get enough credit. But uh, okay, fair enough. Louisville, <laughs> Louisville Combat Academy buzz line is five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. We're gonna head to the buzz line now. We have caller Kevin is on the line with us regarding Louisville. Kevin, what do you have for us this morning? Uh, talk about Louisville, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. We uh, always always appreciate your calls, Kevin. All right. First off, get this out of the way. About the Louisville women. Congratulations to them. I'm a follower. Uh, thing is with the Louisville women, there is a lot of Louisville fans, and it's no consolation that nobody doesn't like them. Of course, you got some people that don't like women's basketball, but the thing that I've noticed in listening, because I, uh, I'm not like going to hop on other radio stations, but you have some supposedly supposed to be pro-Louisville radio stations to come on during the weekday in the morning. And they in, in in a particular one, it's a particular one, and he says, I'm not covering I'm not covering women's basketball. Oh, he wow. just uh, he doesn't like women's basketball. So therefore, right there, unfortunately you don't un, you don't hear about the fans that do support him because the only way that you know about the support is through you guys, through the radio, when people call in and talk about it, or you guys talk about it, or sports casters talk about it. So, you know, there is a big following there. And it's actually, if you go to a Louisville game, when you're getting ten to 15,000 fans at home games, there's a, there is fans there. You know what I'm saying? So they do have support. I think the local media could do a lot better with it, though. But it is what it is. Okay. And mm-hmm. and on to the men's. Uh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm one of the fans. I'm so happy. Chris did. What he could do, you know, he made, you know, he made beef stew out of junk this year, man. He he had to work what he had, you know, like um, those guys that he uh, like. I heard this to you earlier. You were talking, you know, the guy you know was talking about the grad transfers. No, he didn't get those grad transfers that we could have used because I watched a couple of those guys that he really wanted: the Johnson kid at Miami, the Cremo guy up there at Villanova, who really didn't get to be used, and I'm sure those guys now kind of wish they went on and went to Louisville because, oh, man, they could have used those guys, but it is what it is. And uh, Nora, he's, well, he needs to go. He's he's a, he's a basket case. Uh, but Chris did the best thing he could do with, with the talent he had this year. And within the next couple of years, when he gets his guys in that fits his system up there at Xavier, the fan base around here will see you know what he, you know what he can really do with with a certain level of talent because the guys that he had right now, those little short guards, you know, they it just it just it just didn't. Uh, <laughs> I can't even explain it, but they tried the best they could do and they did the best they could do. Absolutely, yeah. If you look at that uh, first year that Rick Pitino came to Louisville, I believe they made the NIT. Uh, Chris Mack has uh, done much better than I anticipated uh, that they were going to do this year. And I think he'll do just fine once he gets his players in there. And he's got a very good recruiting class for next year. A lot of good things to look forward to. Oh, yeah. I'm not even worried about going forward with with him and the type of players that he's going to recruit and bring in. Fans just need to understand that, be patient. And just like yesterday, I knew it. I had, we I guess with my buddies we I said we, we had a bet on a bottle of uh, Woodford 
on how many threes that uh, Minnesota would hit against uh, Michigan State, and I bet it two. And lo and behold, they went two for twenty-two. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Just that's how it works. They show up against the cards, and you know that's how college basketball is. I mean, Kentucky was able to put in a good defensive performance and hold uh, Wolford to. How many threes? I, I I can't remember exactly. But the main many. guy went zero for twelve. Zero for twelve for the for the uh, number one three point shooting guy in NCAA history. So yeah, they had a good defensive uh, game plan on him. But uh, I don't like those teams that just fire away and and you know have these miracle runs against my team. I like watching it. <laughs> you against, like it when it's your team. Yeah, yeah. So you know, but. Uh, Kevin, as always, we appreciate your calls. Before we let you go, anything else you want to chime in on, Kevin? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll talk about Kentucky, and it was funny how you mentioned that. I told, and I already know I'm not a Kentucky fan, but I, I had a U.K. buddy. He's from Lexington, and he was, you know, about to rough it. And I, said, I sat there, and I told him. I said, look, man, y'all are not. I said, I would bet money on this game for y'all to win it. Regardless, and I said because all y'all have to do with anybody that knows basketball, no matter what, Wofford's not athletic. They don't have even without PJ, Kentucky still has more guys, more athletic big guys. I said all they're going to do with any coach, with any common sense, is going to take his defenders and tell them, okay, that McGee guy, whatever his name is, you're going to dog him and dog him. And he's not going to be able to get a clean look. That's basic basketball. You just take him out. You take that one guy out, and you say, "Okay, I'm going to gamble with the rest of those guys beat me." And of course, you know they can't because they—he's the main focus. And that's exactly what they did. Tucky has more dudes, and it was—that was just a—you know—you you didn't have anything to worry about in that game. Tucky didn't have anything to worry about in that game. Right. And I think PJ's. Hurt. I think PJ's hurt more than what they're letting on. You don't think we'll see PJ suit up for the the Wildcats again? I don't think so because if you if you go back and look, uh, I don't know. Uh, I know the man there's a big Kentucky guy. I think it was the other day, a couple of days ago, where when it was first set, Kenny Payne kind of put his foot in his mouth and on a tweet talking about you know we're trying to buy him time, and then PJ's dad kind of tweeted back with a uh, I'm not a doctor and neither are the coaches. You, you know, so being a father, I kind of know what he's saying, and he's telling him, "Hey, y'all don't worry. Y'all not going to make the decision for my son. I'm basically we're going to let the doctors deal with this, and he ain't playing." Okay, so Chris, tell us about that. Is there a, a is there any legitimacy to a Kenny Payne versus Louisville's? I'm sorry, Kentucky's top scorer and rebounder, Washington. Is there a, a little bit of a, a beef between those two? Because if so, that would be significant. Well, uh, I think uh, Kenny Payne is trying to keep it under wraps of how, how serious it is. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think his dad wants him to come back. And um, I would be surprised if we do see him again. Um, you know, it, I just don't like how they come out and say, oh, it's, it's not very uh, – serious and uh and then the next thing you know he's in a cast and on this uh riding around on this wheeled thing i don't know you know go ahead and be real tell us you know 
Yeah, but but what if it tactically could help your team to to make it so that they think they have to prepare for possibly PJ Washington, right? Right. So so maybe there's some of that maybe playing into it. If I'm the head coach, I'm not coming out and showing all my cards. Well, these first two games that they had to play, uh, you're not. You don't have to lie about him on these first two games. What's coming up next, though, is some big time bruisers. Uh, where he's going to be needed, and yeah, they, I could see where they're trying to use it uh, for game planning for the other team, but you know, truth of the matter is, uh, I just don't think he's going to come back. Kevin, do you want the Kentucky Wildcats to advance and win the championship, or would you like for them to get knocked out as soon as possible? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even worried about it. If, they, if, they, if it's meant for them to win it, it is. But I didn't have them. I didn't have them advancing past North Carolina anyway, so it doesn't really matter. All right. Well, great stuff as always from our man Kevin. Kevin, you have a great rest of your weekend. We hope to hear from you next Sunday. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, man. <laughs> Good stuff there. I love it. Kevin taking a very rational uh, Louisville Cardinal fan uh, approach, right? Yeah. He, he's pro women, uh, pro the women's team. Which, in all jokes aside about you know pro women or anything like that, basketball is basketball. If you're a fan of basketball, in my opinion, you like playing. I, I, you know, I'm not a very good basketball player, but I do like playing. If I'm playing with a, a chick, um, I, it's just as fun to me as oh, playing. Yeah. You know, if she's good, uh, uh, just as fun to me as playing with a, with a guy, another guy. So I mean, basketball. In and John Wooden said that he thought it was better. Um, to, to watch the women's game, better fundamentals. And, and of course, they're not relying as much on athleticism and things like that. So that is almost inherent that you have to rely on, you know, maybe a, more of a, a, a game plan for your team. But the women's game really is enjoyable to watch. The one asterisk I'll put there is if you're a big basketball fan. That's if you're right. actually a big basketball fan, the women's game is fun to watch. Yeah, and, uh, you know, something happened last week <clears throat> that we haven't touched on. Uh, somebody at ESPN actually messed up pretty bad uh, this past week um, when Dick Vitale was talking about the men's tournament and um, they had the side scroll screen on ESPN. Supposedly, they were supposed to be uh, showing the Kentucky, or I'm sorry, the uh, the men's field, uh, the bracket, and what they actually had on there was the women's bracket. Oh, yes, I heard about this. Prior to the actual women's uh, selection show. And they they showed the uh, uh, the whole bra- women's bracket, basically. You think someone's getting uh, fired for that? I, th- I would say so. Uh, Depends on who did it. Or is this something to beef up interest? I don't know. I wouldn't think they would intentionally do that. But uh, what, what, what kind of ceiling? Does the Louisville women's team have? I know we're not talking about the men's, the bread and butter, the Kentucky prep, the the PJ Washington. That's what a lot of our listeners really want to hear. But entertain this question for me, Chris Embry and Doc Parks. If the Louisville women's team wins the national championship this year, from an unbiased perspective, in my opinion, I would say the ceiling for the support from this local community is very high. And it would be... It would, in my opinion, maybe surpass what Connecticut had going. Uh, you know, surpass what yeah, – almost take almost take women's college basketball to a new level, in my opinion. Is yeah. that, am I getting carried away? 
Uh, comparing them to UConn, that's one thing. I don't know if I agree with that. But, you know, um, we need a new team in there. Uh, it, it got. I think that's one of the problems with the women's game. You had the same team winning every year, and it, it can take away interest. You already know who's going to win it now. I it, think that's unavoidable. Men's basketball went through periods with UCLA early. Yes. I, I've always said that, that women's basketball is simply – behind men's basketball is terms of evolution. I say it with MMA. MMA is going to, you know, right now the UFC is the governing body for the best fighters. Boxing, I think, has went through many different cycles, been around so much longer, but it's a similar sport to MMA. And I, I think that we are just seeing cycles of this. It'll, it'll come, it'll go. So I would say uh, the Connecticut dominance, I would draw a parallel, definitive parallel, in my opinion, to the UCLA dominance in the 70s. Right. Well, and uh, didn't Louisville beat UConn this year? Yes. So, you know, this can be a big-time step for Louisville women's program. And for the health of women's basketball. Absolutely. How carried away am I getting, Doc? Uh, I, I pre, I, I'm looking for honesty. Am I getting what I'm? What I mean here is, is Florida State and Clemson have kind of helped college football in, in their emergence recently, right? Yes, really helped because they all offer an alternate to Alabama, right? Right. If Louisville wins the national championship, this market, this city, this area, getting really getting behind the Louisville f- women's team, I think could take college, women's college basketball to a different level. Doc, reactions to that statement. How far of another level are you? I'm not. Yeah. About? Okay. That's fair. You think it's getting on ESPN two <laughs> every night? Yeah, that's play? a good question. I don't know what the what I you know I don't have definitive uh, watermarks for exactly what I'm saying, but I do think that the support the men's basketball program is still what the most lucrative program in the country, right? Louisville men's basketball is the most lucrative program in the country, despite all the craziness. Okay, so I think. Co- the state of Kentucky and the fan base for if can you know if I think if Kentucky's women's team did it, it would be the same thing. Yeah, uh, or, or a similar thing. I think Louisville apparently does for some reason generate a little bit more than Kentucky, right? Yeah, I for some reason I that's just the setup. Louisville would generate more attention than Kentucky. I think people outside of the state of Kentucky would just hear Kentucky basketball. Tune out after that. They always tune out because people hate Kentucky. Yeah, I think Louisville women's basketball that had doesn't have as many people immediately flipping the off switch. Okay, so it's more marketable to the rest of the country, right? Yeah, and uh, you got to look at possibly other teams like Tennessee trying to pull Jeff Walls away from Louisville. Um, I've heard some scuttlebutt about Tennessee trying. Setting up an offer for Jeff Walls after the season. Um, wow! There's Chris Embry dropping the inside women's basketball uh, scoop. Thank you. Well, you know, I just uh, Tennessee is used to being on top in women's uh, basketball, and uh, or at least you know near the top, and they've struggled uh, since Pat Summit left. Yes, Pat Summit passed away, and uh, uh, it hasn't been quite the same. So. Uh, but no, I, they've got a great, uh, great team this year, and I can definitely see them making. If they don't make the Final Four, it would be in uh, a lot of upset fans. That's how okay. good this Louisville team is. So we have the women's game today at noon at the Yum Center. Big game, uh, certainly for, uh, in my opinion, for a day. because a down year for Connecticut doesn't come that often. That's right. 
So the emphasis and the amount of time that I guess we're trying to devote to this game at noon is because of that. This is the opportunity. They gotta, you got to win it all, right? Right, Doc? You can't look back on if, – if Louisville had not won it in 80 and 86, we wouldn't look back and go, they made the Final Four. Right. right. It's a game. It's a game changer for not only the university and the athletic program, but for uh, in this case, I really do think the uh, potential to really take women's basketball to that next level. That's right. Does what I'm describing make sense? Yeah. Um, I think what Louisville's got uh, at least one Final Four right in the women's game. Oh yeah. Wasn't it yeah last yeah. year, I believe they went. Yeah. 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 They played in two national championship games. So uh, they're definitely. You know, they're, they're top two or three in the last five, six years. I mean, Jeff Walls uh, has had them right there. So uh, there should be a lot of fan interest locally. This is a college basketball town, and, of course, that's mainly for the men's game. But still, you have a lot of fans here, very good supporters of the Louisville program, and uh, I could see them showing up today. Absolutely. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. The Louisville Combat Academy buzz line is 502-384-1450. We encourage you to give us a call. If anyone out there has heard us going on and on about the women's game, and your name just happens to be Marcus, you know, you could give us a call and tell us your thoughts. Be sure to stay tuned. We will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz, live here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW, the Big X. If we're talking about the local focus of the sports world right now, I would say P.J. Washington and his boot. That's pretty much the beginning and the end right now. Yep. Got a lot of Kentucky fans uh, sitting on the edge of their seat hoping that he comes back. Um Calipari seems really upbeat, uh, even with his star player out. So maybe, maybe it's not as bad. I don't know, man. I don't know what to take from this, but uh, they're definitely not going uh, very far without him. So you, you really don't think they got a chance? They're not that deep. They've well, got depth. They're deep, yeah. But um, how? how it, so, Surprising would it be if Kentucky were to, without Washington, make a run and win it? Wow, uh, it'd be. And do they have that type of talent to fill in for him? If if the field opened up somehow, but I think probably you, not. You're not going to get past North Carolina without him. I don't think. Um, EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards have done a great job uh, with the absence of PJ Washington, but uh, you're not. Kentucky hasn't played. Matter of fact, that first team Kentucky played, that Abilene Christian, was probably one of the worst tournament teams I've ever seen Kentucky play. So they haven't had uh, to really uh, step up their game. It, Wofford gave them a game last night, but still, that's Wofford. Uh, we'll see how good they can do. And uh, Houston or Ohio State is a big step up 
from Wofford, I believe. I want to remind our listeners, the Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Louisville Combat Academy, located at 10105 Dixie Highway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40272. The fine folks at Louisville Combat Academy offer adults martial arts classes, and they have a great kids program. They actually have more active MMA fighters than any gym in the entire state. Uh, The Louisville Combat Academy buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now where we have our our man, our our friend, caller Marcus, is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Marcus? Well, uh, I I had my call all planned out. I planned to call you about half an hour ago and tell you how I don't always remember to say how much I appreciate the quality of your show, uh, how much I appreciated your guest in the first hour, when he was describing what it was like between rounds for a fighter, the mental process and the physical process and the analyzation of how the fight's going and what you need to do in the second round, I thought that was some of the most interesting stuff I ever heard on the show. Wow, I appreciate that feedback. I I love that we have a little bit of crossover from our traditional sports fans who also (laughs) tune in to when we have that 12 to 13 minute segment. Uh, devoted to MMA. So thank you very much for that, Marcus. What else do you have for us this morning? Well, of course, then the whole show went straight to hell because you started this nonsense talking about girls' basketball. And you asked a great question. What is the ceiling of the Louisville women's team? Okay, I'll tell you what the ceiling is. If they're really, really, really good, if they win the national championship three or four years in a row, they're good enough to get their ass kicked by a high school team. That's how good they are. Just like Connecticut. There's your ceiling right there for girls basketball. I want to, you know, when Kevin called in and said that there was a supposedly pro Louisville radio station where the host said he wasn't going to cover women's basketball because he doesn't like it, I'm going to find out who that is because that's who I'm going to listen to every morning. So I don't have to listen to this artificially trumped up nonsense about how we all ought to watch girls' basketball. Do you know why they have to be so-called better at the fundamentals? Well, because they can't actually play basketball. <laughs> okay, Marcus, so you're not a, a fan of women's college basketball. Okay, that's all right. You don't have to be. Um, no, folk, no, you, no, you don't care if Louisville women's team were to win it at all, if they won the entire national championship? Hey, buddy, I went to college at Tennessee. Every other year I was there, they won it. Let me tell you how big a deal that is. It's not. Who do you know that went to the number one attended game in the history of women's college basketball? Do you know who it is? Me. Me. When I was in college, they filled Thompson Bowling Arena. This is before they took out half the seats and hung grapes around the upper deck. They crammed almost 27,000 people in that arena. Do you know why? All the tickets, if you went and got a ticket, you got a free meal at uh, Wendy's afterwards. Okay. I, <laughs> Marcus, any feelings on the Kentucky, the men, back to the men's tournament, Marcus? I, I hate to deflect the call, um, but uh, what is your interest on the ceiling for this Kentucky men's basketball team? No P.J. Washington. Can they win the, the title without Washington? Well, they're not going to beat Houston in their next game. Oh, Wow. I think every year I have to listen to this crap from Kentucky fans. Oh, man, we didn't, our seating's not fair, our region's overly loaded. Hey, you know what? Most years that's utter nonsense, but this is the year that they ought to be saying it. Houston is a top 10 basketball team in the country the entire season in the polls, right? 
Samson is a great college basketball coach. Houston's loaded with talent. And the idea that Kentucky has to play a top 10 team in the Sweet 16 is preposterous. And no, P.J. Washington or no, I don't think they can beat Houston. All right. Well, Marcus, as always, we appreciate your calls. Um, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to chime in on? Hey, can we talk about the, the, the actual sport that's getting ready to start this week, maybe some next Sunday? You know, baseball, where more people go to see baseball games and go to see the NBA and the NFL combined. Sure. Okay, yep. 75 million people are you go see baseball. Yeah, the, let's talk about that next weekend. Okay. For now, I'll ask you, Marcus, are the Red Sox going to repeat? No, I think the Dodgers will win the World Series. Okay. We'll remember that. Marcus, we appreciate you uh, calling us this morning. We hope to hear back from you next week. Thank you very much, Marcus. Guys, I didn't. I, didn't, I don't want to jump the gun on this, but I don't get the impression that Marcus is a big fan of women's college basketball. Apparently, he's a fan of getting a free value meal from Wendy's. <laughs> that was, he was taking some serious shots at the women's game, right? Right. Uh, thoughts, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Do you agree with Marcus? Uh, I'm not a big fan of the women's game. Well, so you do agree with Marcus. That's okay. I appreciate I, your honesty. I don't uh, – I'm not trying to hate on him. Hashtag I, Team Marcus. I'm just not a – I'm not going to spend my time at a women's game. I'm not – I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to, ki- you know, harp on the women or nothing. Okay. But, but no, I mean, Louisville's got a damn good team. So I also don't attend as many women's games as I do men's games, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, Doc, do you agree with Marcus? No, I don't agree. With I've there's uh, you would is be, it because your girlfriend's listening? No, I, you'd be surprised how many people attend a women's college basketball game. A fair amount of people. I was surprised. You're right, and, and in all seriousness, that's why I said what I said earlier. I do think the this Louisville women's team is on on the verge of really being something special. They already have really good attendance. Um, Winning a national championship, it, it borns fans that will not go away 20 years from now. Does that make sense? You know, I, I know guys who are uh, Reds fans. And why are they Reds fans? Because the big red machine, in the, what was it, 75 and 76, they won, they won the World Series, okay? So to tie everything together with Marcus, I think, you know, bringing baseball into it, I think if you have a, a fan base who sees their team win a championship, you'll never forget, Chris, the years that Kentucky and Doc, that Kentucky has win, won the national championship, right? That's right. Off the top of your head, since you've been alive, what years have they won it? Well, they've won it uh, 2012, 98. Uh, they won it in... 96. 96. They won it in 76. 78 or 78, 78. were 78. you born in 70 when were you born I was born in 77 okay so you were one okay yeah so so they did that's what I mean those are the the real etched in stone that's a part of your fan uh you know you being a fan so if, if Louisville on this down year for Connecticut can win the national championship in all seriousness uh I do think it's got a ceiling but Marcus wanted to talk about baseball any thoughts on baseball this year big contracts about a lot of money thrown around yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rosters that are uh, been turned, you know, around. You've got a lot of big time players that have uh, switched teams. 
Uh, I think the Reds are going to do really well this year. I know they haven't done much in a long time, but uh, they're moving in the right direction. And I think um, we'll see if uh, these big contracts they've handed out are worth it. Usually they don't work out uh, on these super max contracts. uh, I could see these players getting very comfortable after they've they're guaranteed this money. Uh, so, uh, in terms of excitement, I mean, do you watch many baseball games on TV, Kelly? I do actually. While I'm preparing a meal, uh, between those hours on Fox Sports Ohio, well, yeah, that's actually a little ritual that I do have. Now, am I pay- Is all my attention devoted to it? No. Yeah. Some of the best memories of my childhood, talk about nostalgia, would be listening to, like, the Brett Boone-led Reds uh, put together a late-inning uh, 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 comeback to win, and then Adam Dunn hits, you know, I'm just naming right. off names, hits a walk-off grand slam. Some of those things. I experienced it with my, with my two kids. I got a 10-year-old daughter and a 9-year-old son in the car last season where we were driving back from somewhere, and I was, we were talking about the game and listening, and, and the, the Reds had... Staged a comeback in the ninth inning and won. And we, we caught the whole thing. So on the radio, uh, as much as television. But, yes, I also have television Reds games on. Uh, you know, I don't go out of my way to do it. But if I'm doing something else at home, I'll have it on. Right. Yeah. I love baseball. I love baseball. I would love for the Reds to be good this year. Yeah. The only thing about baseball, it's so long. There's so many games. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to capture my attention unless there's some type of storyline going on. Yeah. For a casual fan, you know. But um, I'm definitely interested in seeing uh, what the n- new uh, high-profile players look like uh, in the Reds lineup for this upcoming year. There's a lot of, to uh, be excited about. Yeah, I'm going to make a, a couple or a few games this season. I'm just trying to put those together now uh, for which games I'll go to. The Louisville Combat Academy buzz line. Is 502-384-1450. We are going to head to the buzz line now where we have our man Blue on the line with us. How are you this morning, Blue? I'm doing really good, Kelly. Hey, I'm excited about the, about the tournament. I'll make a few comments. I'll, I'll touch and go like I usually do. I'll start with Louisville. I, I like Louisville. I like the way, way they play the game. I really do. I, I mean, I'm an ex-Louisville fan, but because they can shoot and they host. I like uh, Chris Mack, the way he coaches. He puts his team in the position to win the game. Big deal of a coach. Hey, uh, uh, hey, I want to move on. Hey, 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 Chris, is Chris there? That, yep, that's me. Yeah, Chris, hey, uh, about the Kentucky game yesterday, man. Warford. <laughs> hey, um, okay, uh, DJ didn't play, right? Okay, you get nothing out of him. So did you mention that um, – Warford's leading score, uh, not leading score, uh, the leading three-point shooter in NCAA didn't score a point. So isn't that kind of like he didn't get that out of him either? So doesn't it kind of balance out against Warford? I mean, uh, uh, if, if, didn't P.J. play against Tennessee and then they get smoked? Oh, yeah. So, uh, what, excuse me? Yeah, yeah, he played against Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Tennessee's so a great team. The excuse me? I was just saying Tennessee's a real, really good team. Yeah, yeah, the physical. So, so the teams Kentucky are going to play after the Houston game, I guess, is going to be teams like similar to Tennessee. So you, you still don't expect Washington to be back then. If he plays, is that going to make a, that big of a difference? Yeah, I think so. I think if you do? if a P.J. Washington uh, is 100% healthy, I, mm-hmm. I think they uh, beat North Carolina again. 
but because mm-hmm. Kentucky plays really well against teams that uh, high tempo. Um, I think they would have a harder time actually against Houston. That team's very physical and very well coached, and uh, even with PJ Washington, that that would be a very tough game. So, uh, you know, I, I, they're just going to have to po- uh, probably play without him, and um, I don't see them making it out of uh, the next two rounds with without PJ. Oh man, you you, you but but you're not re- re- retrieving on, on your. Statement you made earlier in the season when you said you predict Kentucky will win it all. You're not going to go back on that. Well, I mean, injuries happen and it does change the outlook of a season. But um, you know, if, if he is healthy, most definitely, I still have Kentucky winning it all. Most oh, you do? Yes. Wow, man. Hey, uh, what about the shooters? A uh, Cal's greatest shooting team. Uh, wouldn't they have a big impact if the inside game's not working? When the shooters, uh, when are they going to show up? Uh, I mean, isn't it, it time? I know these guys are freshmen, which is which is all the more why Calipari should be more involved in when they plan on the court. But he he, he just doesn't get involved. He doesn't call. He doesn't have set plays for for players that can shoot the game. You know. Well, um, don't, you don't like him at all, man. Kentucky's three point shooters. Well, you've got uh, the number one three point shooter on Kentucky's team actually is PJ Washington. He uh, is shooting oh, around forty eight percent from three point range uh, this year. Yeah, he's uh, very good. Uh, matter of fact, the last out of the last ten games he played, he was probably shooting over fifty percent. Uh, he was very hot. Um, okay. A lot of people uh, concentrate on Hero and quickly uh, talk about their three point shooting, but it's actually PJ Washington is the most effective on the team. But uh, you know, um, th- these shooters they get hot and cold, and uh, right. You know, they're not yeah, the. I, 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 I understand, Chris. I just had to mess with you a little bit, man. <laughs> I, I understand because it, it's all fun. But uh, oh, hey, yeah. uh, enjoy your show, man. I, I'm just excited about. But hey, y'all be sure and put your dukes up today and watch the real players, man. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Thank you, Blue. Great call. You know what I love about Blue is today it did sound like he was. He said, "Who's the best shooter? Or who's the best shooter on this team?" And and Chris said, um, "PJ Washington." And before you said that he was shooting 48%, Blue goes, oh, God, really? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he was like, man, he's just taking – but he was just messing with you, right? Oh, yeah. He's trying to get you riled up, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, he don't think there's enough three-point shooters on Kentucky's team. And uh, he thinks that uh, – he, he's made statements before about Jamal Baker. That's the first I've ever heard him say he's a former Louisville fan. Yeah. Didn't he say that, Doc? Did I follow that correctly? That's what I heard. Okay. He's either that or an undercover Louisville fan posing as a Kentucky fan, right? Okay. I'm sure we'll hear back from Blue next week. <laughs> you know, he listens. He also said he really hated Coach Cal. Yeah. He uttered that once again. Yeah. I really hate that guy. <laughs> well, well, hey, it's easy to uh, to hate on a guy that's uh, as successful as him. And, he, you know, he's pretty arrogant, and I admit that. Uh, I wouldn't like him if he wasn't my coach. Uh what a – and I know that we can go off into a whole different direction with this, but what a crazy – like Matt Jones, for example, had multiple quotes prior to Cal coming to Kentucky. Anti-Cal quotes, right? Yeah. Uh, he's kind of the voice of the Kentucky fan base, right? Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, he is. Why are you shaking your head, Chris? Well, no, I mean, yeah, in sports he is. He is, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, he is, right, Doc? You wouldn't hear it come out of my mouth. I'll never say – a. 
guy who went to Duke and graduated from Duke is the mouthpiece of Kentucky athletics. Okay. But but he, he's the most prominent person who covers the athletics. Can't argue with that. Okay. Yes, he certainly is. Um, in a lot of the, the fan base, not all. You know, he can be a little polarizing with his politics and things. And there's some people who don't really like him. Um, but, you know, he, he, he is listened to by a lot of them. But he had quotes about Cal prior to Cal coming to, to Kentucky, right? Anti-Cal. And then he's completely changed his, his tune with it. And that's understandable. I'm not talking, you know, in all seriousness, I'm not uh, hating on, on Matt Jones at all. Uh, he said he, I think he's released some rational statements saying, yeah, okay, I didn't really know him as well then. Now, you know. But, right. but when he's your coach, when somebody's your coach, it's different. To be honest, since Rick has left, somehow, just I'm being honest, I've become a Cal fan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I don't know why. I really, I honestly don't, uh, he, he doesn't seem as polarizing to me right now. Yeah, when you don't have uh, the two big-time coaches, uh, I don't know. He, Calipari is more laid back now. When Rick was there, I think there was a lot more animosity uh, between the two, obviously we know uh, their history behind that, but uh, Calipari just seems more laid back now. Uh, um, they released a ranking of the most athletic of the coaches in the tournament. Did you see that report, Chris? No, I didn't. D- Doc, did you see that? I did not. Oh, okay. Cal- I forget the rankings for Cal. I wish I knew more about it, but it was funny. Uh, do you see the video of Cal shooting free throws? No. I'd- yeah, no. Cal-, Cal has had a couple videos of him. You know, he was a basketball player himself. Yeah. But, uh, you know, him really uh, going hard on the free throws. <laughs> Do you think you could submit John Calipari? Great question in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, pro- yes, I, I do. Hmm. In a jiu-jitsu match, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. How tall is he? Uh, yes, I could. Six okay. foot. Yeah, I could probably, yes. What do you think, Doc? Could you? Oh, I'd tear him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless he's trained a bunch of jiu-jitsu that I don't know about, right? Has he? Well, that's the thing. We don't know. We, he probably has. So, who's the toughest coach that's in the tournament then? Like, if you had to fight one of these guys. Good question. I like where your head is. Mick Cronin at Cincinnati. He's fiery. He's very little, very, very small, but he's fiery. Do uh, <laughs> you think you could submit a Kentucky player? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say yeah. Like Brad Calipari? Yeah, yeah I would <laughs> say so. Doesn't mean I could beat them in a fight. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. That's a different conversation. <laughs> but if we're doing jujitsu, I could submit a lot of the Kentucky players, I would think, under jujitsu rules. Now, an actual fight, I would run from them. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it, it, not all, I don't know, not every single one of them, but they're all big and long reaches, and landing punches at the beginning of a fight is very important. <laughs> what, what if uh, a guy like Zion Williamson was into MMA? His oh, my bicycle. God. Right. I mean, that would be amazing. I would think. Not, not, yeah, I would think. Uh, athleticism does not always translate to greatness. Uh, right, Doc? I agree with that. Yeah, That's but true. power. I man. think Fabricio Verdugo. Now, if he had trained jiu-jitsu and wrestling since he was four years old, if we could somehow redo time or clone him or something, then, yeah. Maybe. It, he could just have the IQ for it. Look at BJ Penn. He Got his black belt in three years. Okay. Some guys are just, it clicks. They're just. I've never seen an MMA guy blow out a shoe like Zion. I mean, that that's. No, you're right. <laughs> no, the guy. He... They, they don't normally wear shoes, but you're. This, no, in all seriousness, the side. Francis Ngannou is a big 
freakish ath- uh, athletic guy. Matt Mitrione, uh, Brendan Schaub was one guy who came over from another sport. Um, the guy who Greg Hardy is doing it uh, locally here in the state of Kentucky, Derek Overstreet. You guys familiar with who he is? I've heard the name. <laughs> Let me see. I'll bring it up here. Derek Overstreet was a captain for Western Kentucky football. Okay. One of the captains. Big, strong guy. Got up to 275 when he played for the, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Captain. A linebacker. Now he's fighting for HRMMA. <laughs> and Doc, you fought on the same card as him. Yeah, he's but huge. He is huge and scary. Derek Overstreet. Keep your eyes peeled for that. I think he's going to fight on this next card up in Dayton. Um, but I am safe to say I am looking forward to the career for Derek Overstreet, who, just to repeat it, for those of our listeners who are not aware, was a captain for Western Kentucky football. This may answer your own question then. So you watched him fight, and how did you think he did as a fighter? Derek Overstreet? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was very much so uh, had an advantage against that opponent. Now imagine Zion Williamson doing that. <laughs> yeah, he would be. He would also be really good at it. I would think you you'd train him for a year and he'd smoke everyone at the amateur level. I think. Oh, at the amateur level, yes, certainly. He'd, yes, yes. Give him the three athleticism years. means a lot. You Does it mean he could beat Fabricio Verdum or Stipe Miocic or, or or Daniel Cormier? No, not DC. Yeah, not DC. But maybe the other two. Maybe. Okay. It's an interesting conversation. We'll have to make a little clip of this because uh, the, the Derek Overstreet attention across the state I don't think is where it needs to be because I do think he has a high ceiling in MMA. How high is the ceiling? Is he going to be a UFC champ? I don't know. But he looks really good at this uh, uh, 205 weight limit um, for HR MMA right now. I was talking about Zion. I know. <laughs> You're trying to shift it back to Zion. You think he's going to be fighting for HR MMA soon? No. The best would be if you could get somebody to train early. Zion is a freak athlete. All eyes are on him. If we're looking for a storyline for the NCAA tournament, really, it's Zion Williamson right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, he's most definitely the big time. uh, He's the attraction, and uh, he deserves to be the attraction. The guy is a freak athlete. he, he's a lot better basketball player. I thought he was mainly an athlete when he came in. No, the guy is all around a great basketball player. And today at 5.15 p.m., 9 seed U- University of Central Florida against Duke, we'll get to see Zion Williamson on full display, uh, maybe either trying to dunk, maybe Taco Fall blocks him. Maybe he takes a charge. There's going to be a collision, hopefully. What we're all hoping for is a collision right inside the paint, right? Absolutely. I want to see... What's the over-under on if that even happens? You think there's a chance we just don't even see that? No, No. I I think somebody made a statement about... um, No, it it was Taco Fall himself. He said uh, he will not be posterized by Zion prior to this game. So he's adding some, you know. I like it. Play it up. Yeah, Even so, if you get dunked on then, not the end of the world in my opinion. So I think it's a smart thing for Taco Fall to say. You want to try and cause a distraction because your team is so overmatched. Um, I'd like to see Zion try to, to land one on him. I mean. Uh, land a punch or a dunk? Land a dunk on him. Okay, okay. You know, that would be a, a very memorable picture if it happens 
Certainly. I want to thank all of our listeners and our supporters. Louisville Combat Academy brings the weekend sports buzz to you each and every Sunday from 9 a.m. until 11 a.m. I want to thank Doc Parks, Chris Embry, all our callers, Kevin, Blue, Marcus, Brian. Uh, Be sure to join us next Sunday. We will be back with more of the weekend sports buzz. Thank you.